This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Are you sick and tired of biased hockey talk? Then you have come to the right place. The Drop focuses on the St. Louis Blues, but we also delve into other news from around the NHL. So tell the ref you don't mind the game misconduct penalty. You were headed to the locker room anyway to listen to The Drop. Here's your host, Lance Descott. Welcome back to another edition of The Drop Podcast. I want to first of all thank everybody for their kind emails, for their kind direct messages in Twitter, and also through Facebook messages. All the people that have given me support in these last five, six, seven months, and I'll kind of give you guys a little bit of an update. Those that care, you can listen. Those that don't care, you're welcome to skip ahead a little bit. I fully understand. Diagnosed with cancer back in November, I believe, of last year. Went through an MRI. The PIRAD score I got from that was not good. It was rather high which meant that uh, it was rather invasive and aggressive. Then about a month later, I had a biopsy, and they found that, yes, it was an aggressive form of prostate cancer. You know, a lot of prostate cancers aren't real aggressive, but this one was. Um, Had surgery to remove the prostate in February. Been waiting to hear when I'm going to be starting radiation. I heard that uh, just uh, yesterday. I have an appointment with my doctor very soon. And I will be going down the radiation trail. I kind of know what to expect. Although prostate cancer and prostate radiation treatment is nowhere near something like uh, breast cancer radiation treatment or breast cancer chemotherapy, which my wife has been through both. I kind of got to see the in and outs of cancer care. And it was so hard to see her go through that and struggle. But I learned a lot from her. So I will be going through eight weeks, every day a week, five days a week, so 40 radiation treatments, and hopefully we can nip this in the bud and I don't have to deal with it again, or if I do have to deal with it and it comes back later in another part of my body, then we can take it from there. I just wanted to give everybody an update and say thank you for all your kind words and thoughts. It means a lot to me. I've been missing doing this show. I just didn't have the energy to be able to... uh, Record the show and get it out to you in a timely matter after editing and uh, picking some things with it and adding some other things. So I've been appearing on uh, Guy Benson's uh, Blues fan report before the Blues games and intermission, also post games. Not every game because uh, some nights I don't feel very good. So I've been doing that, but let's get back into it and let's start looking forward to the playoffs here. First two topics we're going to discuss are Jordan Cairo. People talk about, let's put him down on the fourth line. Let's keep him on the third line. He makes too many mistakes. Let's trade him. I heard the same thing about Robert Thomas for a couple years. We need to trade him. He doesn't fit Berube's system. And now I'm hearing it with Kyrou. We need to trade him. He's terrible defensively. Doesn't fit Berube's system. We can't have all defensive players. Not every forward is a two-way player, a real two-way player. A guy that can muck it up a little bit in the corners. A guy that can uh, be able to really, really use his strength for offense and defense. And one of those guys is Buchnevich and Tarasenko. I think they do a pretty good job when it comes to being a two-way player. Over the last week especially, and ever since the All-Star break, Jordan Kyrie slowed down. Yes, he has. 
And I'm going to give you my opinion as to why he slowed down. I can't believe it's if one of the first three games after the all-star break, he made a defensive mistake. Barube just berated him on the bench. That's his style. That's fine. I always found that I did better as a goalie. And, you know, you don't have the shifts of 45 seconds as a goalie, but I watched how other players were treated by my coaches most of the time, unless they were trying to set an example for the team, they would put their head between two players and they would whisper in the one player's ear, hey, you've got to be responsible defensively. You know, don't get caught up ice, but use your speed, whatever, so on and so forth. Well, I personally think that Craig Berube has got in Jordan Kyrou's head. He did the same thing with Thomas a couple of years ago. He wants every player not just to be responsible defensively, but he expects these young players to just be strong defenders right off the bat. And that's just not going to happen. Even in Barube's system, it's not going to happen. If you watch him the other night against Colorado or Anaheim, I can't remember which one. Jordan Kyrie started to head into the offensive zone and he kind of slowed down a little bit and backtracked. And he looked confused. And I'm going to tell you exactly what it was. The coach is pounding it in his head. Don't get caught up ice. You, use your speed, but don't get caught up ice. Okay, as a young player, what do you want me to do? I have a chance at a two-on-one break or a one-on-all break or a one-on-one where I've got position on the guy defending me. What do you want me to do? Well, I want you to score, but you need to, be, you need to stay back defensively. You can't do both. And this kid is confused. I can, I can tell by the look in his face he's confused. And you guys can argue with me all you want to. I've seen this happen time and time again with Craig Berube. And I'm going to give Craig Berube credit. For most part of the season, he's allowed this team to really play well offensively. But Jordan Cairo makes that mistake. You bring him to the side. You tell him why he made the mistake and what he needs to do. But you don't berate him in front of the other players. I saw something a couple of games before that, that Thomas was being berated by um, Berube for one of the first times in a long time. It may have been a little while further back than that. Sorry, my memory's bad. Tarasenko got in the way of Berube yelling at him. I didn't see Tarasenko get in the way of Berube yelling at Cairo, which maybe Tarasenko didn't see it. Maybe one of the other veterans didn't see it. This kid is confused. So we've got that out of the way. Now let's talk about why people shouldn't be ripping this kid at all. I believe Jordan Cairo is 23 years old. He's had a pretty good career so far. He's played in a little over two full years. Now he hasn't played two full years overall because he's been in the league since 2018-19. So his first two years, he played a total of um, about 44 games in two years. I think 16 and 28 or 15 and 29 in this first two years. Then last year, of course, was a shortened season. He played 55. He played 55 games. And this year he's had 73 games. Let's look at his offensive output, shall we? 26 goals, 47 assists. I don't care if they came in the first three months. I don't care if they came in five months. I don't care if they came in four and a half months. I don't care that he's struggling after the All-Star break. This young kid has got 73 points. Let's talk about his plus-minus. Now, plus-minus doesn't tell you everything about a forward when it comes to defensive play, just as it doesn't tell you everything about a defenseman. There's more to it than that. 
you've got to look at who's on the ice with the forward, who's being paired with the defenseman. Then you can really kind of look at the plus minus and a few other things analytically to let you know that, hey, this is a good defenseman or this is a good two-way forward. So he's got 73 points, guys. Guess what his plus minus is for this horrendous, horrendous defensive player that people have been talking about. He is a plus 12. Plus 12, guys. That's really good. Ivan Barbashev, 13 points less. Played in seven more games than Cairo. He's a plus six. Doesn't tell the full story. I understand that. I've always liked the coaches that teach guys in practice, teach guys in the intermission, come up to them in the locker room. Hey, on that play, please watch out for the guy coming out of the zone so you don't get caught in the zone. Once you see them get that pass and it goes around the back of the net or it comes to somebody on the opposite side or it comes to somebody right in front of you, start to back up if you're not going for a line change and play strong defensively. I got no problem with that. Jordan Cairo is confused. You can talk to a bunch of other people and they'll even say he looks confused. It's not just me. You can talk to a bunch of other people that have noticed the same thing. It's not just me. So let's lay off of Jordan Cairo. Before we stop talking about Cairo, Let's see where he lands here in the top players in the league when it comes to scoring. He is 45th in the league. I don't know about you guys. That's pretty damn good in my mind. That's really good for a kid his age. And I only expect him to get better. Robert Thomas that everybody praises that, of course, several years ago, they were saying the same thing about his defense. He's only four or five positions ahead of me. So if you're going to treat Robert Thomas one way, and say he's great now, and he's elite, like I hear a lot of people say, which he's not elite. He's, he's a very good up-and-coming center, but not elite. You need to say Jordan Cairo is a very good, a very great young up-and-coming winger. So let's stop the Jordan Cairo hate. It's unnecessary. This kid has done nothing but work hard. I have talked to some Blues players, and he works hard in practice. He's not lazy like a lot of you guys think he is. That's not his MO. Trust me. So hopefully we're done with the Jordan Cairo thing. Let's start looking at a few other things. Who to start in goal? Everybody wants Vilhuso in goal. Look what Jordan Bennington did. Huso's just like Jordan Bennington. And th that year he came up in January, actually came up in December, but the year he came up, and started playing in January against the Flyers, and the Blues just roasted everybody after that. They went on that franchise's best 11-game win streak. He deserved it. He deserved all the praise. I think he played in 37 games that year, started 37 games. So let's look at Vilhuso's full-year stats where he's been a full-year goalie here. All right. He played 17 games in 2020-2021. This year, Vilhuso has played in 39 games. You can't tell everything about a goalie, of course, by goals against and save percentage. Although Vilhuso started out the year at under 2.0 goals against, I think it was 1.5 or 1.7 goals against, he was on fire. Now he's kind of tailored off a little bit. I'd say in their last 10 starts, each of them, Huso and Bennington have played about the same. If Bennington hadn't had a rough start, he would be a lot closer when it comes to stats. And like I said, you can't tell everything about a goalie. 
when it comes to goals against. But there's no comparison in Jordan Bennington's first year to Vilhuso's night and day. 1.89 goals against a 9.27 save percentage. 2.47 goals against. That's almost a half a goal. That is a half a goal. That's huge, guys. That is huge. A lot of people think by my comments made on the fan report that I don't like Phil Cuso. Not true at all. I think he is going to be and will be a good backup goaltender. Or part of a 1A, 1B. You know, play 38, 40 games. The other guy plays 38, 40 games. But if I'm Craig Berube, I start one goalie over the other, and that's Jordan Bennington. He's been through a playoff. He's got the experience. He knows what it takes. He's had a better second half than a first half. His first half was abysmal. I'll give you that. But there are also games for both goalies, Huso and Bennington, where the team played crappy in front of them. Crappy defensively, too much dump and chase for the puck, not getting enough offensive opportunities. Guys, when you get three to five shots in one period and the other team's getting nine to 12 against your goalie, you're going to lose a lot of those games. You just are. So there's been a lot of losses this year that I don't blame Huso for and I don't blame Bennington for. The other night in Colorado, Bennington gave up four goals. As a goaltender who played goalie for 42 years, some of it at a very high level, and was offered a college scholarship, D1 scholarship, that's me, I will tell you that three of those goals the other night were not on Bennington. Goal number four, I would say, was on him. He probably wishes he had that one back. His angle to the puck was terrible. He left too much open on the side, and that's why the shot got through. So I am critical of Bennington when he makes a bad play, just like I'm critical of Huso. Now, let me caveat this. Although I want Jordan Bennington to start, unless you go down two games to none, if this is, if he starts Huso and the Blues don't go down two games to none and they split one and one, or they go up two, or they go up two games to none instead of 0 and 2 against the Wild, keep Huso in there. Same thing with Bennington. I think we've got to give these guys an opportunity to show who they are. I want Bennington in there. But hey, if they put Huso in, I'll support him as much as I can. You guys know me. Uh, I'm very vocal and outspoken for goaltenders. When it's their fault for a goal, I'll say it. When it's a combination of a bunch of different things, I'll say it. A lot of people see that goal go in and it's all the goalie's fault. What you didn't see was the bad pass in the offensive zone. The inability to stop the team from coming over the blue line. The inability to stop the team from making crisp passes to find a guy open to score. It's not all on the goaltender. A lot of people in this town and around the NHL that watch hockey, they think it is. Martin Brodeur, one of the best goalies in my mind to ever play the game, had some great defensive teams in front of him. And he'll be the first to tell you, I've heard him say it. Yeah, I think I was a good goalie, but we had great defensive teams for those years, for several of my years. So even he knows without a good defense, a goalie is lost. And without a good goalie, a team is lost. So it's a fine balance, guys. It's a very, very fine balance. So we've talked about Jordan Cairo. We've talked about Huso and Bennington. Now I want to talk about Craig Berube. Let's get into Berube. You guys know in the past I've ripped Berube sometimes 
because he hasn't changed. When he's had offensive type players like Thomas he's, and Kairou and Tarasenko, like in the playoffs against Colorado, he put Tarasenko on the third line. You can't expect your best scorers to score on the third line. Will they play well? Yes. And I thought in that series in the playoffs against Colorado, although the Blues looked terrible overall, Tarasenko, even though he is just coming back from that surgery, was a beast. He was hitting people. He was mucking it up in the corner. He knew he wasn't there offensively, so he did what he had to do. Now, I think the Blues have a good chance of beating Minnesota if two things happen. Barube makes the necessary in-game adjustments as to what Minnesota is doing and between the period adjustments. If Barube can win that battle between the coaches, the Blues have a great chance of beating Minnesota. If he does not win that battle and cannot make in-game changes and adjustments or between period adjustments, the Blues won't win this. The Blues are going to have to score some goals. It is possible some of these games could be two to one, one to nothing, three to two. But I think if both these teams are clicking offensively, you're going to see four to three games. I really do think that. Now, the other key, this will be my last key. Whoever the Blues start, Bennington or Huso, please defense support them. Don't allow 30, 35 shots a game. The Blues can beat Minnesota if they keep them under 27 shots a game. And that's what you want against any team. You don't want the upper 30s, mid 30s, even over 30 shots against you a game. So that will be the key. And how well is Fleury going to play? I've seen people say, no, Talbot's going to start. I'm sorry, if you're Minnesota and you start Talbot over Flurry, you need to lose your job. So who's going to win that battle? You so Bennington, whoever starts, or Flurry? We shall see, but man, I'm excited. I keep seeing a lot of people talk about what are we going to do against Colorado? We've got to get past Minnesota first. And what happens, guys, if Colorado loses in the first round? It's very possible. It's happened before where the top teams lose in the first round. So don't be shocked if it does. We'll take it a game at a time. We'll take it a playoff series at the time. Let's just hope when ESPN has the games that they don't screw it up. I want to thank you so much for listening again. I know I've been gone a while. And again, I can't say enough for how nice everyone's been to me. It really means a lot to me. Let's all get ready. Regardless of whether you like Huso or Bennington, regardless if you like Bay or you don't, regardless if you have an issue with a certain aspect of the Blues game, let's get excited and let's cheer the Blues on. Thanks again, guys. Until next time, let's go Blues. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Drop Podcast. To get more of The Drop, check out our website at droppodcast.com. You can also find us on Google Play, iTunes, and the iHeartRadio app. You can follow us on Instagram at the.drop.podcast or on Twitter at Drop Hockey Show. You can email The Drop Podcast or host Lance DeScott at lanced at droppodcast.com. To find out more about Lineup Media, go to lineupmedia.fm. Until next time, let's go Blues! This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.